Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. The safest place to process our pain is with God. I'm not discrediting therapy or doctor prescribed medication, the benefits of therapeutic massage, a trustworthy friend. I've benefited from all of that. But God is the place where you can lay it all down with no judgment. You don't have to hold anything back, worried about what somebody's going to think, worried about what they're going to say. It doesn't matter what you're thinking or feeling, accusatory or not. He knows and he's waiting for you to put it out there. Verbalize what you're thinking and get into a conversation with God about the problem and the way that you see it. Thank you for stopping by my podcast, Finding God in Our Pain. Welcome. Hi, I'm your host, Sherry Pilkington. In this podcast, you'll hear firsthand stories of how the God of the Holy Bible meets real people in their real pain. We look at the good God we profess through the lens of pain and suffering. I'm processing the most painful season of my life after unexpectedly losing Larry, my husband of 32 years. In my journey, I've discovered that there are many types of deaths. Maybe you've asked God, how could you let this happen? Why me? Where are you, God? Do you even care? What am I supposed to do with my life now? Here at Finding God in Our Pain, we don't shy away from the tough questions. I ask them to my guests. I share what I've experienced. We give real examples of how God shows up in the darkest, most painful situations in life. May the stories that you hear and the advice you receive encourage you to engage the heart of God about your painful places or memories or experiences or even your unmet expectations. Lean in close to God's heart because he speaks beautiful things in the dark. What would it mean to you to find peace for your mind or comfort for your heart? And what about healing for your body? There are real situations in our lives that can affect our health. And the fact that we live in a war zone, a spiritual war zone, where we have an active enemy who is constantly looking for subtle ways to steal from us. Things like our peace, confidence, gifts, talents, our identity or purpose. And that's just to name a few. That's skimming the top there. In 1 Peter 5, 8, we're plainly told, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And devour as in destroy and kill. And I'm not talking about a physical death. I'm talking about a prolonged death. It doesn't make a difference to him whether he destroys relationships, your independence, or causes you to isolate or destroy your ability to live in freedom and truth and knowledge. And he's even super elated if he can worm his way into your mind and emotions, convincing you to turn on yourself, even if that's just in uh, internal dialogue. But his dream would be to twist you up so much that you'd use your own hand to harm yourself. He'll take whatever we knowingly or unknowingly give him, and the unknowingly happens because we don't understand the spiritual battle. Satan will take whatever keeps you from discovering all that God has for you. He knows that Christ is our lifeline, the one who turns everything for our good and God's glory, the one that rewrites the pain of this life. And we get to say, Satan, you meant it for harm, but God turned it for my good. This episode 
is built around three ways that you can process your pain with God. And these three are not the only three ways. They're just the three ways that God showed me when he walked me through my valley of death. And I spoke about this in my last solo episode on how Psalm 23 showed me God's faithfulness. I had briefly mentioned these three ways to process your pain. So I wanted to elaborate on them just a little bit, hoping that it will equip you to find a deeper freedom in Christ. It's so important that we look at how we process pain because God's word tells us the cost if not doing so. And allow me to read a couple of scriptures that you're probably already familiar with, but just to ground us, let's start with these two verses, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, and Genesis 1, 26 through 27, because these scriptures will tell you exactly why your enemy wants to destroy you. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, do you not know? that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price and therefore honor God with your bodies. And Genesis 1, 26 through 27, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Can you see why Satan wants to destroy your uniqueness? The spirit of God lives in you. The image of God is on you. Satan's level of hatred for God knows no bounds. So you better believe your body is the number one target and he uses our mind to access it. In the first Corinthian verse I just shared, Paul is also telling us to honor God. And part of honoring God is to process our pain and trauma and suffering because it attacks the mind and pollutes the body. God wants us walking in our full identity and likeness of who he is. And we have direct access to that as his daughters. Allow me to share four short scriptures and then we'll move in a little further to the message. Proverbs 17, 22, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Do you have any health concerns or issues or problems in your body? If even one part of your body is in poor health, the rest of your body begins to compensate. Proverbs 3, 7 through 8, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Don't be like me trying to self-medicate and self-protect, you know, putting these self-protection efforts in place that keep us from holding our pain up to God because God's going to heal it. So we don't want to be like God when we find our own solutions. We want to bring our pain to God and he leads us through his solutions. Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. When was the last time you were sad and disappointed over an expectation that was not fulfilled or a longing of your heart? And when our hope is not fulfilled, our heart grows sick and it needs healing. Proverbs 16, 24, gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Look at the power of our words. The results of careless words or verbal abuse, they're devastating to the mind and pure hell to the body. I come from a background of mental, emotional, verbal, and physical abuse, and I can testify to you that as I have found healing for my past traumas, I feel it in my body. The first place I experience that freedom is in my mind, and that scripture about God's truth will set you free. It's no joke, sisters. 
for the rest of my days here, anytime I am triggered about past things, because Satan knows my weaknesses and traumas, and he doesn't miss a chance to try to bring them up and use them against me. But for the rest of my days, I'm going to continue pressing into the Lord in the here and then and now receiving his freedom, receiving his truth until I can press into his precious chest face to face. It's been my experience, whether childhood abuse or the unexpected death of my husband and all those other painful places in between. If you don't grieve and mourn, cry for the injustice of it all, have a righteous anger for the utter evil that others have done or, or whatever that looks like for you to process your pain. If you don't do that, trauma waits for you. The pain waits for you in the body like it just happened. And your body absorbs it and holds onto it, deposits it in places in your body until you process it with your mind and your emotions. When I didn't want to face my painful traumas because either I didn't want to feel it or I didn't know what to do about it, I did the only thing I could think of. I tried my best to avoid it, hide from it, stuff it down, you know, didn't want to think about it or I would result to my childhood survival skills to cope. But that trauma still ran an undercurrent in my mind. So it did nothing to rid me of the pain. My body continually tried to process what my mind did not want to acknowledge. And if you're like me, it can feel like if you start crying, you'll never stop. And sometimes the pain is simply too much to bear to relive again. And maybe there's guilt and shame associated with it, two of Satan's favorite weapons for us, guilt and shame. But I assure you, and mainly because there's nothing new under the sun, but if it's happened to you, it's happened to countless other people and they're receiving freedom. So please know that you are not alone. You're not alone in what has happened to you. Don't be ashamed. Don't feel guilty. Don't let those two things keep you from walking into freedom and, and wholeness. So let's get to the three ways that we can process with God. Number one, talk to God, not at him. And there's a difference between talking to someone and talking at them. If you have children, you know exactly what I'm saying. I used to tell my boys, you can say just about anything you want to me, but watch your tone and your body language and keep your facial expressions in check. If they became disrespectful in any of those three ways, the conversation was over. Why? Because once they allowed their emotions to take over and they began to talk at me, they were no longer interested in anything I had to say. They were simply looking for an argument. As God's children, we can treat him the same way. When we bring our deep pain and even deeper questions to God about why, why God, where were you? And, and do you even care? That pain can cause us to be defensive and argumentative. Whenever I poured out my pain to God, he could tell when I was looking for an argument. And in those times, he never engaged me. He never rejected me, but he wouldn't fight with me. He sat quietly waiting for me to exhaust myself and then get some rest. And when I got to the point in the grieving process where I laid down the argument, gave up my self-defined rights to have every question answered and for it to all make sense, that's when I could hear him. When he speaks into my spirit, he's always tender and kind. And when I humbled myself to the sovereignty of God, I could hear his still, small, calming voice. He was asking me to trust him. He didn't want to argue. He didn't want to send me down rabbit holes with answers that I had no context for. He knew my heart and he knew what I wanted to have my husband back. And that was not to be. So he chose to sit in the pain with me and catch my tears and comfort my heart. 
The second thing we can do to process our pain is talk with God, not about him. The safest place to process our pain is with God. I'm not discrediting therapy or doctor prescribed medication, the benefits of therapeutic massage, a trustworthy friend. I've benefited from all of that. But God is the place where you can lay it all down with no judgment. You don't have to hold anything back, worried about what somebody's going to think, worried about what they're going to say. It doesn't matter what you're thinking or feeling, accusatory or not. He knows and he's waiting for you to put it out there. Verbalize what you're thinking and get into a conversation with God about the problem and the way that you see it. We don't have to hide anything from him, mainly because it's not hidden at all from him. But our God does not have a spirit of offense. He knows us through and through. We are completely known. The good, the beautiful, the bad, the amazing, the ugly, all of it. And yet we are thoroughly loved by God. His heart for us is to heal and restore with his truth and his presence. If you're lamenting to others and complaining about how unfair God is, pouring out your heartfelt pain to whomever will listen, not everyone's a safe person. And it's possible that they're not going to add any wisdom or discernment to your suffering. And not only that, you need to be aware that you're educating your enemy. Satan's been scheming and plotting against you since your first breath, taking notes about your mistakes, fears, weaknesses, traumas. As mentioned previously in Genesis 1, 26 through 27, when we're born, we bear the image of God. So Satan doesn't wait until we accept Christ as our personal savior before he comes after us. The very image of God on us enrages Satan, and he's bent on destroying anything that reflects God. If you don't take your pain directly to God, Satan will add new notes to his already very detailed archives. In your most vulnerable condition, Satan will use this new situation combined with his understanding of your past, and he'll use it to twist God's truths, God's intentions, and God's love for you. If Satan can put just a little bit of doubt in your mind about who God is or who God says we are to him, then that doubt will begin to worm its way into our mind and our heart like a computer virus until it dismantles our core beliefs, leaving us defenseless against our enemy. At the very least, we're walking wounded with offense and bitterness until it becomes contempt. And at worst, we've left our faith completely. And now without truth and the ability to discern the enemy's schemes against us, it will be like being drug around by your hair from one emotional roller coaster to another, not to mention the chaos in your minds and our bodies trying to compensate. And the final thing we can do to process our pain is take the time to listen. Here's another beautiful thing that I love about our God. He is with us wherever we are. He's beside you and behind you, in front of you. There's no barrier of time or space that you can't receive from him. In the times when it's just plain hard to focus or retain information, when sorrow is deep, maybe you don't want to get out of bed. You're not interested in eating. You have no interested interest in much of anything. And all we need to do is open our heart, open our mouth and speak and ask God to speak. We have direct access to his comfort and his presence. And I will add, sometimes he's simply quiet. But do know that he's more in tune with where we are in the journey than we are. He knows what we need when we need it. And he knows our pace when we need rest, when we're ready to take a step forward. He is intimately in tune with who you are. When processing a difficult season or situation, the danger is getting stuck in it, being known for our pain or our grief. Oh, Sherry, that poor widow, 
She's so sad and she still misses her husband. I'm not saying it's easy, but moving through our disappointments in life, our heartbreaking situations and loss, it should be non-negotiable, especially if you're a Christian. You have access to the most amazing resource for healing and restoration, the very presence and wisdom of God. When I was going through the first year of my grief, I didn't go to church. I wasn't reading the Bible. I wasn't praying for anyone, not even me but I was having an ongoing conversation with God. Well, let me back up. At first I was silent. I mean, what do you say when that something like that happens completely out of the blue and my husband was gone? I was devastated that the only one who could have changed my situation, intervened and stopped the death of my husband didn't. This was the good God I professed and it didn't feel so good, not one bit. But what was done was done. And now I had to make peace with God. I didn't run from God. I didn't hide from him. Because I've known him for many years, I knew of his goodness and kindness. However, Satan was working overtime on my mind and my heart to cause me to define God by the most devastating experience I'd ever had. But surely there was an explanation for what God had allowed. While God never gave me an explanation that completely satisfied me about why he'd allowed it, he did comfort me with his truths and most of all, the beauty of his presence. Because when you get the beauty of his presence, you get everything about him. From the previous two solo podcasts I've done, and I'll put the links in the show notes, I shared with you the various situations where God spoke into my pain, the darkest valley of death that I'd known. Things like, Sherry, I don't care what this world tries to do to you, label you with, burden you with. You keep your eyes on me. I'm writing a much bigger love story with you as the individual I created you to be. Or, no, Sherry, I didn't stop the death of Larry, but neither did I lift my hand to stop the death of my only son so that you too can have your loved one back again, meaning our reunion in heaven. So the good God I professed, not only has a solution, he has a reunion in place. He's gone ahead of me and, and solved that issue of the fact that we're separated by death in this life. So putting my painful questions out before the Lord, asking him, what do you have to say about this Lord? Not talking at him, but talking to him. Daddy, what do you have to say about what I believe? What do you have to say about my pain? So allowing him, giving him space, giving him room to speak his truth, that was the power behind my healing. I trusted my pain with very few people. It took me two years before I went to grief share. And I've shared before that the first night I was there, I could see where I should have been there much sooner. But my point is that God was always accessible. And he's the one whom I held nothing back from. And I believe that he honored my transparent search of his answers, a genuine desire in my heart to hear him speak. I needed to know that despite the devastation that I had experienced, the God that I profess had solutions and a plan, healing, restoration, and that reunion. In my authentic search for God's heart, I found the beauty of his presence a deeper intimacy, intimacy with him that I did not know was possible. Through this podcast, I've had the chance to talk to many Christians about their painful life experiences, and many of them will tell you they, they would not have asked to go through 
what they did. And that's including me. I would not have asked for my husband's death. But what we've come out on, the, like the other side of the healing, has been a beautiful part of the redemption process. When God repurposes our pain or gives beauty for our ashes, he's not kidding. If we let him heal us, it is a beautiful thing. Be authentic with God about all the aspects of your day. Talk to him. Talk with him. And take the time to listen because he speaks the most beautiful things in the dark. Thank you for your time and for sharing this experience with my guest. I hope you have found encouragement for today and a deeper revelation of God's heart in the midst of pain and suffering. We'd love to have you as a subscriber to Finding God in Our Pain so that you can be connected with all my guests as they share their personal experiences and professional knowledge about pain and suffering. And because this podcast is a division of the website, A Life of Thrive, for more information and the various ways you can connect with us, please visit the website, alifeofthrive.com. I look forward to sharing more transparent stories from the hearts of women who intimately know what it means to have their world flipped upside down, their authentic struggle to make sense of it, and what recovery and healing looks like. Till then, sweet woman, remember you are not alone and that God speaks the most beautiful things in the dark.